1: This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today.
2: Welcome to the Paddle and Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as Angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milton. Back to the paddle and fan podcast. This is the bass fishing for noobs segment. I'm your host Ryan. We've got the co-host Sean. How you What's doing, up, guys? Bud? Doing great. um We've been wanting to do a episode talking about fish finders for a while, and uh you know, we we figured like we want to go in depth and you know really talk about it. I know. For several people out there that don't have one that are know nothing about them that want to get one but have no idea what to get. Got people like me that just recently got theirs and have no clue how to work it, and you know, even people that are a little more advanced but want to know more about it. So we figured we needed to bring in a geek on this one. <laughs> so we got none other than the returning guest, Hank Rogers, aka Bass Geek. Welcome back to the show, buddy
3: hey man thanks for having me I, I had a great time the last time I was on uh, really enjoyed it love to to do this sort of thing and hang out with you guys and you know you're really talking about uh, a subject that is I, I'm man I love graphs <laughs> I mean I I love them they they uh, have changed the way I fished from I mean from the time that you know, I I had my John boat when you know I had a Flasher and then went to a, a little grayscale Eagle. <laughs> you know, I mean I've I've been using uh, I've been using uh, graphs in, in, to find offshore fish and structure for a very very long time. So
2: just the man for the job tonight,
3: huh? <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, and then it's, it's, you know, kind of like I told you, you know, uh, when we were texting, you know, my, I'm actually a, a network engineer. So, you know, my job is technology and, uh, you know, so I probably have a, a little bit better understanding of, you know, what those, uh, megahertz and kilohertz and, and, uh, you know, cone angles and, and the science kind of behind, uh, uh- all the stuff that I don't know, have a clue with it. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and don't feel alone. There's a there's a lot of guys that don't. But you know, the thing I want to tell you tonight is that you don't really have to know uh, every all of that that uh, scientific terminology, you know, uh, to really get started and to uh, to be pretty, you know, efficient with your uh, with your graphs. Cool, sweet.
2: <clears throat> well uh yeah let's jump in here so you know mine myself is just uh, i guess you could say just the sonar i don't have the sign imaging and down imaging and all that so like how would you like a- explain the sonar There are like different types of it between the different brands or different price ranges or
3: well when you're talking about 2d sonar it's not so much that there's different types There's Again, there's different frequencies and there's different, I'll call it frequency bonding. Okay. So not really a difference. You know, everything is pretty much standardized, uh, with, with sonar 2d sonar. The biggest thing I can tell you, and the biggest improvement that I can tell you that if you want to go with just strictly a 2d graph, is you know you chirp is probably the uh, the biggest improvement and the difference between a regular 2D imaging you know 2D sonar is the most common uh, uh, frequencies and I can't believe this I'm having a a uh, brain fart but I think it's like 55 200 right now or 80 yeah 55 that's old school, (laughs) so so 8,200. And the thing you have to remember about that is that basically, number one, number one is cone difference. And so, let's see, let's see if I can remember exactly how this goes, because I get them confused with uh, down imaging and sonar. If I remember correctly, um, one of them basically is a one-to-one. And, 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 not to get too far ahead of that, but what that means is one foot down equals a one foot cone distance. The other is a three to one. So three foot down equals, you know, one foot. Uh, so basically how it works with frequency is on the 2D side is the lower the number, the deeper the water penetration. So, you know, the more you're gonna be able to see, the deeper versus, uh, And again, that might be reversed, forgive me. (laughs) I'm having Mm -hmm. a, a brain fart right now. But the difference between standard sonar and chirp is that you, instead of taking, imagine painting this wall behind me with a fine point Sharpie, okay? Or that's old school, regular 2D sonar. Chirp is like taking a range So, you can take, you know, instead of it being the 200, it may be 150 to 250. So, it's used in that entire range, every single one of those frequencies, 100 frequencies. So, it's like taking a paint roller and painting this wall. So, you get, you know, as that bounces off the bottom and off fish, you get a more defined picture of the bottom. So,. You know, chirp almost on the newer sonars uh, GPS sonars pretty much is a standard thing now uh, for 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 most of them. Now they'll still sell some of the lower, lower end without it. but
2: can, you know, can I pause you real quick?
3: Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: Uh, I believe minus chirp, but what, what you're saying with like the old school, now before this one, all I've ever messed with was like, the really old school ones that got the little fish that come across the screen—is yeah, yeah. that what you're referring to as like the old school, or is it something else?
3: Well, the old school, and what I mean by that is just the uh, just the frequencies. So you're talking the difference between a single frequency and a hundred frequencies. Okay. So okay. old school, which ain't really old school, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just the difference between standard sonar and chirp sonar. So standard sonar is a single frequency and chirp sonar is like broadband. So so standard sonar would be like dial up versus you know broadband, you know okay. fiber. And so you just get such a broad range, you know, using a hundred frequencies you know, versus just that single frequency. And so that, that's what I'm referring to. Now, what you're talking yeah. about is actually what they call fish view or image or different, you know, companies call it a different thing. And uh, a lot of people give me flack because I always tell them, I'm like, listen, the worst thing you can do is cut that stupid fish image on because it's going to tell you, that a leaf in 15 foot that's floating is a fish. It's gonna tell you half of that brush pile is a fish. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I was was gonna say that all the times that I did use those, there never seemed to actually be a fish there. where it? Yeah,
3: Yeah. but you you need to learn, you know, the difference between arches and and what fish really are. Uh, You know, I'm a huge proponent of uh, us weekend warriors, having the best some the best uh, graphs we can we can buy. I think I think it helps us more than it than it helps the pros because we get to fish once or twice a week, maybe. So having that, learning that, being able to interpret that graph is going to cut your time down. So much between searching, finding, and catching, and to me, that's why I'm a huge proponent of, of, you know, buying the most graph you can afford because it really does help you catch more fish than I think anything anything out there you can do. I, I mean, a hundred percent. All
1: right, um, so. We talked a little bit about regular sonar so then we'll move on to like sign imaging and down imaging how would you explain the difference between sonar and and that
3: so sonar is like standard deaf television compared to side imaging and down imaging okay so it's you know it's old standard TV you know with you know I don't know how many of you guys remember You know, you'd have to get up and change the knobs, (laughs) you know, you know, the tube TVs that weighed like 400 pounds. Yeah, I'm not that young, man. I used to have a floor model back in the day. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the difference between sonar and down imaging. So down imaging, you know, originally it came out and it was 400. Again, we go back to frequencies, you know, 455. And so again, we're talking one frequency, either the, uh, well, like I said, 50, 80, 200 on the uh, 2D sonar, and then you had the 455. Now 455, as you get greater in the side and down imaging, it restricts your uh, the amount of water penetration. So 455, you're gonna be able to see, you know, hundreds of feet uh, most of the time you know, uh, 800, you're gonna be able to see, I think it's its maximum range is like 200 feet. And then now, you know, Hummerbird's come out with Mega, and Mega is, you know, somewhere around about 128 or so they say, it's not quite that good that far, you know, and, 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 and again, a lot of what they say, you've always got to remember, uh, these companies are telling you in the perfect situation uh, you know that you're you're going to see that stuff. At. So when you see a brush pile on a 2D standard sonar, you know you're seeing this just colors and just this wad of you know color. When you see it on down imaging, you see the limbs. Even at 455, which has the less the least amount of definition, you're seeing the limbs. You can still somewhat differentiate fish inside the brush pile. You can really see what and, and, and know, is it grass? Is it a Christmas tree somebody sunk? Is it uh, a mannequin? <laughs> <laughs> is there a car down there? Is that a bridge? You know, you can really get the definition. With 2D, to a certain extent, you still have to kind of guess what is that. Is it a rock pile? Is it a a, 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 a thick brush pile? With 2D or with uh, down imaging, you really get uh, the full picture. Um, now we go to side imaging, and a lot of people, and I'll be one of the ones. I, I you know, I was. I'm with Humabird now, and I'm not sponsored by any of these companies, so I can tell you exactly what I think about all of them. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I was with lorance and lorance has always had an edge in the down imaging. Uh, Hummerbird has caught up tremendously since the mega, but, uh, Hummerbird has always had a, a pretty big edge on the side imaging. And for the longest of time, I never really understood, oh, excuse me, kind of the Impact of having quality side imaging. And the thing about quality side imaging, and people ask me constantly, you know, can you see fish on side imaging? Absolutely, you can see fish. You know, originally in its early days, it was better to find structure, find rock piles, find uh, hard bottom, soft bottom, you know, uh, a log but now you can see the fish out there a lot of times we still use it to find structure but this is what goes back to me saying it's so important for us weekend warriors to have good graphs is because now we you know when when down imaging was kind of the deal and sonar was the deal if you're graphing a place that's that's maybe a little deeper you know you'd have to zigzag and cross hatch you don't have to do that anymore
4: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
3: You can set it to see 50, 60, 150 feet, 200 feet out, depending on the contour of the bottom. And you can make one pass and go, nothing there, next. And so it eliminates so much area and water so fast and you can put yourself on fish so much quicker. And that's, you know, that's, that's why I say it's so much more important to us guys that are only fishing one or two days a week because we all know, especially this time of year, I've always made the joke in the spring, what you caught those fish doing yesterday won't happen until that time next year. <laughs> They've done change, they're moving up and down that pattern is over, you know? So uh, that that's why I say it's so important to have good electronics and, and even on kayaks because on kayaks, yeah, you may not be eliminating the scale of water that I'm eliminating in a bass boat, but you are really picking apart these areas that you're fishing. And so for you to sit there and get detailed image images and uh, spend the time that you're spending fishing this stuff, because it's like I've always said, and I told you the last time I was on, if I pull up in a pocket and I see a kayaker in there, I'm gone. Cause I know he's picked apart every daggone thing. (laughs) You know, I mean, I know he's took his time and for me, there's nothing left. I'm going on.
2: Well, uh, With, as far as the transducer goes, what's the correct position to mount it in? Uh, And does that change, whether it's like a regular sonar transducer or like a side imaging and down imaging transducer?
3: It does. Uh, You know, the good thing about a 2D sonar, if you've only got 2D or standard sonar, most of the time you can, uh, you can shoot the, those through hull. Uh, unfortunately, side and down imaging doesn't work through hull. So, those have to be exposed. And the biggest key to a side and down imaging so, if you like, you know, I know uh, Lorenz has a three and one, Humminbird has a three and one, uh, Garmin now has a three and one. So, you get all three downside uh, sonar in one. Now, those are going to have to be exposed, and the biggest thing about those is you just want to make sure that everything is clear to the left and the right and that you're getting good, clean water across that uh, sonar or that transducer, and what I mean by that is you don't want to have anything that's causing turbulence in front of it because a lot of times what can happen is those bubbles can come across that, the face of that transducer, and it causes you to have clutter or interference, uh, so to speak, interference, and uh, you won't get the best picture quality. Now, on most kayaks, I mean, you've got some sort of flat area or some sort of removable, uh, you know, uh, center console, forgive my lack of terminology there but you've got some sort of area that's a lot most of your your kayaks that's now made for transducer mounting and uh if you've got the three and one the down and the side the side imaging you just need to make sure that there's nothing that's going to block that side beam and uh that you're getting good clean water on them and, and you're just fine you can mount them anywhere you want.
2: Well, as far as like, say mine, where it's just the 2D, like, should mine be flat, like where it's got the little sensors over here, be flat or pointing down or how should that be aimed?
3: Now, do you have a skimmer? Tell me what yours looks like. Does it look like kind of a little triangle or does it, is it a circle?
2: Um, it's not a, it's not a circle. It's yeah, I guess
3: more of like a triangle shape. So you've got a skimmer. Now skimmer, skimmer, by default, they're designed to, to be put on the transom of a boat somewhere. But with a 2D sonar, now the great thing about a 2D sonar, you really don't have to worry about it. If it's just a sonar, you don't even have, there's no backward to it either because the beam is round. So yeah, you want it to be as level with the water as you can as you can get it but there's also some tricks now on a bass boat this is a little more important on a kayak probably don't want to do this <laughs> but you know it, like if you want to get it to read at speed a little better sometimes you can kind of tilt it back just a little bit so the beam is shooting slightly out in front of you so as you're going across it that beam comes back and you can get a little more you can get a little better a little bit clearer picture at speed you know when you're up on plane now at a kayak i mean unless y'all are strapping a five horsepower to it or something <laughs> you know or maybe one of the uh bxp's or or the new uh oh gosh the new uh, uh there's
2: a lot of people putting those uh spot locks with old town yeah old treks,
3: yes the new old treks, the old towns yes those are super nice
2: but, but uh, I, I was wondering like how it shoots. That's part of the reason I asked about what angle it should be at because I'm curious about how it shoots, whether what I'm seeing is below me or in front of me or
3: how exactly that works. Well, on a 2D sonar, you're definitely seeing what's below you. Now, you got to remember, like I said, um, I'm again, the 200, I believe. And guys, I might be saying this completely backwards, so look it up, I, I, I can't I always get them mixed up. The uh, down inside is a little difference. So the higher you go up, the more narrow the beam is, and I think the lower you go down, the more narrow the beam is on, uh, on the 2D sonar. But I believe that, I'm gonna say the 80 is a one-to-one. Now, again, it's a cone. So you can take a piece of paper and rig it up kind of like a megaphone and that's going to be over you. So if you're over three foot of water, you're going to see a circle on the bottom that is three foot across, okay? Now, if you're, like I said, I believe on the 200, it's uh, one to three. So if you're in three foot of water, you're only gonna see a foot circle. Okay. So yeah, it's gonna be straight down. Now here's the difference, and I tell people all the time, because I don't run down imaging on on the front of my boat. And a lot of people ask me why I don't, and, and the reason why is cone shape. So with 2D sonar, it works great on a on a trolling motor. You know, and the reason why is because the cone is a circle. So it doesn't matter that that trolling motor can spin around all day. And it's not going to affect your image. But down inside imaging, it's really not a cone at all. It's actually more of a thin line. So, you know, if you hold your arms out to the side, and your your head look at me i'm knocking over the lamp <laughs> <So we're, laughs> and, and and you move you know that that it distorts the edges of the image yeah because it's yeah so it's it's more like a credit card so if you take that credit card and you spin it around it's going to distort and blur the edges and and side imaging is the same way you know if i'm turning the boat you know You'll notice that everything kind of gets on on you know, if I'm taking a left, everything kind of gets drug out on the right side and on the left side, it all gets compressed together, and you'll get this one little area that's still kind of okay. So you know that's uh, again, that's kind of the difference between between the sonars and the two and two d and side image and down image. and it's cone shape matters too. okay.
2: Real quick on that, like so how do you approach If if that's showing you below you, how do you approach that? Do you move off that spot and like turn around and and throw at it?
3: Or? Yeah, absolutely that's where your waypoints and your map comes in. Um so I love deep fishing. Okay. So I, I during the winter time I am doing what they call the Mickey rig. And for any of you guys out there, sorry, I'm gonna shameless plug myself here. Uh, for any of you guys out there that don't know, I'm I, my name's Bass Geek, and I run a YouTube channel called Bass Geek. My name's Hank Rogers, but my channel is called Bass Geek, and everybody calls me Bass Geek. So, <laughs> um, but the thing of it is, is so, so yeah, so when I'm, you know, out there looking for those big smallmouth, and uh, you know, I know they're out there 30, 40, 50. You know, this past year I was fishing for them in in 80 foot of water. And so you go across and you see them, you see the shad, and you'll see them directly under you. And then you just back, you know, I just drop a waypoint back up and make uh you know, kind of line up with it and make those casts uh toward that waypoint. Um now there is a little bit of a caveat to that, and one thing, even in a kayak, that you probably do want to uh, you probably do want to look into. Uh, Lawrence calls it the uh, .1 puck. Uh, Hummingbird just calls it like a uh, compass uh, GPS antenna. I, I don't know what Garmin calls it, but basically, what that does is you know how you've got your little boat icon on your uh, on your map on your your graph yeah. well if you're getting if you don't have that compass so it tells you where north is all the time if if your boat's being blown sideways even though it's pointing let's say it's being blown east to west mm-hmm. even yeah. though you're pointing north and south well that that screen turns this way, you know, turns, you know, east to west and it shows your boat now is heading, is actually pointed in the wrong direction. So that compass in that puck actually will, will show, will keep your map oriented correctly because I don't use my maps on uh, north up all the time because I want to know that my boat is pointed at my target area, at my waypoint. So what I do, is you know is right up front right beside my trolling motor because that's where it's most important uh once i once i cross them i hit that waypoint i come up and that waypoint transfers to me for you guys you'll most time only have one graph on your boat unless you've got a really big kayak (laughs) (laughs) one that i have not seen so it's cool prototype i can't wait to see that unveiled.
2: hey there's some pretty big
3: ones out there yes there is some big ones (laughs) out there but uh So, you know, once you hit that waypoint, um, it's very important, number one, to zoom all the way in because that waypoint itself, if you're zoomed way out, can be a 100-foot circle, you know. So you want to zoom all the way in, and then you want to, you know, pull up on that and make sure you're pointed in the right direction. And if you're getting blown around and you have your map on heads up, you want it on heads up display, not north up, you that way you're pointed toward that uh, toward that waypoint so that you know you're making the right cast. Now, now I'll be the first to tell you, when you're learning, go buy you some buoys. I'll also tell you, go buy you some buoys even if you do use your uh, GPS because GPS, based on cloud cover, based on, I, I fish in northeast Tennessee, southwest Virginia, And the mountains are high and block a lot of stuff. And I can go over a spot. And if it's cloudy and, and, you know, I'm not getting a lot of uh, satellite signal, it will actually cause my path or my uh, waypoint to move up to 20 feet. So GPS is great, but... My suggestion is keep two buoys in in your boat somewhere. And the first buoy is when you go across them, don't drop it right on them. Keep going until you don't see fish, drop that buoy. Drop the waypoint right on the fish, then drop the buoy after you stop seeing fish. Come back around, because angles are everything. So, you know, make casts from different angles on that waypoint, and then once you get bit, drop that other buoy because now you know you've got the right lineup. They like that bait coming that direction. So that's, that's what you, to me, getting started, it's hard. I, you know, I can tell you how to triangulate because I'm old as dirt and, but, but why do it when you can throw a couple of cheap buoys in the boat and, and, and have actual markers to where you can line back up on them. So,
1: And that uh, puck, how does that connect to the, the unit?
0: Fishing Like a Local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing Like a Local is having an experience that stays with you forever.
3: And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too. No matter where you are, discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Most of the time, it'll it'll literally connect directly to the unit, or some units will have a Y cable that will connect to it. But most of them, it'll just connect directly to the unit, so it's not a big deal. And I don't think, for the most part, I don't think they're that expensive either. Maybe, I'll say from that $50 to $100 range, I think.
1: And then, if your your unit has GPS, that kind of negates that the need for that. Or you're no, saying actually, it, it in addition yeah. to that? Okay.
3: Yeah, in addition to that, because you've got GPS in your unit, and and the GPS in your unit is real good, but it doesn't have a compass, so it can't tell you true when when you're true north. Gotcha. So you know if you plan on doing a lot of uh, you know deeper summer winter you know type of fishing. Uh, it really becomes, I, I have to have, because let me tell you, I've done it without it. And when that whole map spins around and shows you going, you know, the backwards, you're like, what in the world am I going to do here? <laughs> so yeah, it's not fun. And it's confusing.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I've had a, a bunch of times where I've ran over fish and then I've tried to turn around and I you know. never end up pointing the right way or yeah. or know how far behind me it was by the time I make my turn. Yeah. You yeah. know. So and,
3: and so the great thing about most graphs, when uh they'll have some like the hummingbird, I'm not sure the Lowrance puts a ring around your boat. So you can put that ring like 30, 40, 50 feet out. So once the edge of that ring touches that waypoint, you kind of know how far it is. Hummingbird puts what they call cast rings around the actual uh, waypoint. So what I like to do a lot of times is is put it out to like, you know, 40 feet. That way I know if I get to the edge of that that uh, ring, that for me to make a cast, because you don't want to drop the bait right on their heads most of the time if you're making casts. Now wintertime, you want to drop it right on their head, so you don't care about the cast ring. Uh, but what you want to do is cast. If you've got a school, you want to cast past them, let that bait hit the bottom and drag it th- through the entire school. So you know what I'll do is I'll know that from one edge of the cast ring to the to the uh, uh, waypoint itself is you know thirty, forty, fifty feet, and all the way to the other side. So I know I can probably make, a, you know, if it's sixty feet, a thirty-yard cast, pretty easy. So
1: it makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
3: I love his stuff, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I love my graphs, man. That's awesome. Um,
1: how about screen size? What are your feelings on screen size uh, and the importance of it? I, I, I tell you, I have a five only because that was what was affordable for me. But, um, And kayaks, you know, you're not – I've seen people with huge screens on their kayaks, but generally they're on the smaller size.
3: Well – You know, this is the one thing where I tell guys that some of us are going to be disappointed because this is where size matters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, And it's just a, so, you know, if you're a shallow water guy, if you're fishing shallow all the time, and when I say shallow, I mean, for me, 10 foot or less, you know, five foot or less, it's probably not going to matter to you that much. Uh, I mean, if you just don't want to really, you know, find those fish in different locales, it's, it's probably not going to matter to you a whole lot, uh, because you're going to be looking for structure more than anything. Uh, now once you get into that and and really that's kind of a a lie because now with the mega, it really does change everything. Um. But, you know, see, now I'm arguing with myself in my own head. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so, so screen size for me, I can, I can put it to you like this. Um, I had nines uh, a couple years ago, and I was really having a hard time on my down imaging, seeing these fish in 40 and 50 feet, you know, because... Pixels, you know. Imagine if you're ten foot deep and you see a fish, and then stretch that screen to fifty foot deep. How tiny that fish is going to be. So, you know, I, I'm not saying you got, you know, you guys are going to fish, you know, a lot of, you know, fifty foot areas, but that still equates at twenty feet and even more on side imaging you know, once you put, put side imaging in and you're looking 75 feet out now, you know, now you, you're really missing a lot of what's there. Uh, and, and we, I can even talk to the 360, you know, um, now I don't have the mega 360 and I know it's a lot better, uh, than the gen one 360. But, you know, the 360 there, I can tell you, and I tell guys all the time, they're like, man, I'm going to get a 360. Well, you got to imagine how much screen size you're going to need because you're seeing 360 at 80 foot out. Imagine that on a 9-inch screen or a 7-inch screen. You ain't going to see nothing.
1: Right. The fish you are going to be so tiny
3: here. Yeah. And then imagine trying to split screen that with a map or a sonar. <laughs> you just wasted a grand. You know, you... You literally, and, I, and you know, again, I, I hate to tell people this, but I learned because I've got a, a $1,000 360 on the front of my boat, and I, it's really useless to me unless I just use it on my 10-inch screen and nothing else because you can't. If you split it with a down image or a, side or a sonar, you, you, you lose so much of your picture clarity, you know. It just starts to bunch everything together. So you almost have to have, to run that sort of unit, a 10 or 12, just dedicated for it. Which is insane, I know. But, you know, how much do you wanna know? I mean, that's the question. And that's the question that Sonar answers. How much do you wanna know? Even in the shallow stuff, Mega, right now, you know, the smallmouth where I live at, and a large amount, too, are starting to bed. One of the things that I, I love to do this time of year is go down those banks, put it on my mega, really tweak the clarity in, and just have that side, either the left or the right, and really be able to see those fish in zero to 10 feet or those beds in zero to 10 feet and see where they're at. And there's a lot of guys that just either don't know how to do that or... You know they buy these big nice graphs and they just won't do it. They won't learn. You get stuck into the old habits, you know. So, but graphs graphs will make you better all times of the year. You know you're you're able to see bait fish. You're able to see. You know I was I was fishing in the fall and went up in an area looking for bait fish and I knew there's a roadbed in there. I knew active water coming in, and I knew that the bait generally congregated up there. They hadn't made it back back to that area. Well, I was just making a left to leave. Well, you know, I didn't have to 2D sonar that entire, which was still, you know, maybe 50 yards wide. That entire area. I just made one pass, was looking on my uh, 2D to see if I could find shad. Well, I was, I was like, well, there ain't no shad in here. I turned around, and all of a sudden, there's a log with a bunch of dots around it. Well, I picked up a rock crawler, made three casts. It wouldn't bass, but I caught my first ever perch, and I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, and that was just a total accident, and you'll, you'll get that so much, you know, when you see something and you go, oh, look at that. Let me, let me mark that, or let me remember that, or let me, you know... That's interesting. Look at those fish over there. I would have never guessed. It just makes you better. My buddy in South Carolina, he's uh, he was fishing a tournament uh, just this year, and uh, you know he's I forget what he was what he was fishing. He was fishing a crankbait and he was fishing it on points. And you know he goes over this one point, and you know they're not they ain't, they ain't putting anything in the boat. And just so happens, as he goes over this point, and I was the one that talked him into updating his graphs. He goes over a point, there's a water fish. He spins around, he throws a jig out there, catches a couple of small ones. His uh, buddy throws a Ned rig, catches a couple of big ones, and they sit there and stroke them and end up with a second place finish just because he accidentally found a water fish on the side imaging that he had never knew was there out in deeper water. It's, it's, you know, it makes you better. I mean, it just does, even when you ain't trying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, what about speed? As you mentioned earlier, y'all in the in the big boats are gonna cover a lot more area because you're gonna be moving faster. Us, we're we're kind of slow. So, how how much is that gonna affect the reading as you're going along?
3: Well, you know. Not as much as you think. I mean, you can get a pretty good reading at about two miles an hour. Uh, and I know you guys on a kayak, I mean, y'all can pedal and, and you know, uh, paddle pretty, you know, much quicker than that. Uh, and that really only goes for, it's it's more with side imaging than it is with down imaging and really doesn't matter at all with sonar. Okay. uh you know sonar again it's why for the most part on the front i don't use uh down imaging is because sonar uh, down imaging and side imaging are my search tools you know for the most part now now down imaging you can use it but again it's going to kind of blur everything so you know, when you're sitting still, and, and it's going to be that way with sonar too. You know, everybody talks about the arches with sonar. But if you're holding in place, they're lines. They're not arches. And it's kind of the same thing. We talk about dots when we talk about side imaging and down imaging. Even when you're moving on down imaging and side imaging, sometimes it can blur based on the direction of the fish. Are they coming head on, going head on, or are they pointed at you from the side, you know, are they north and south, or are they east and west as it pertains to your boat, you know, heading north and south. If they're, you know, a lot of times, if they're north and, or north and south and they're moving with you, even on the side, you know, they can present as a, as a line instead of a uh, as a dot. Uh, in the same way with the uh, 2D, if they're moving through the cone, it'll be an arch. If they're moving with it, there'll be a line. If they're if you're sitting still and they're sitting in the cone, it'll be a line. So it won't be an arch.
1: I guess that makes it tough to tell size too. If if it's a line versus an arch,
3: it does. Uh, I mean, for the most part, you can tell better on I think on two D. Because of your the way your colors are set up, so you know the more dependent on the color uh, the 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 colors that you like to use, you know that harder color will show up more in the center of that fish than than it will. Uh, you know, bigger dots, yeah, sure, but I'll like I said, if there's a lot of times on the the down imaging with those bigger dots, if I'm using, like if I'm really looking for fish on structure, not in cover, generally I'm gonna use my 455 on down imaging and it makes those dots pop more because it's a stronger signal as opposed to, so sometimes you can get dots because simply because it's stronger signal, but they're small fish (laughs) in shallow water. (laughs) Uh, but, But when you're sitting still, you can tell a little better with 2D even if it's a line How thick that line is a lot of times.
1: So, and I know uh, on uh, side imaging, sometimes you can see shadows and you can go by the shadows too uh, for size. But yeah, on my little five-inch screen, sometimes that's hard to pull up.
3: It it is, and and for me, you know, my my first down in side imagings were uh, Lawrence's Gen One. Uh, HDS's and they were both fives. And so they were great for the down imaging, but the side imaging, I was like, yeah, man, I might have wasted some money here. (laughs) So. Oh, one thing I wanna put in there about speed. Generally, everybody will tell you down inside is about three to five, but like I said, You can get away if you tweak your settings at a at a solid two miles an hour. You can get away with it at a one. It's going to be a little fuzzy, but you can get away with it at a one.
1: And what settings are you changing for that? Uh, Like ping rate and refresh rate, or
3: yeah, Lawrence, it'll be ping rate. I think ping rate and refresh, or maybe ping rate and chart speed. Um, In Hummingbird, it is, I believe, just straight up uh, chart speed. So you wanna kind of match that chart speed. I I keep it about a mile an hour under, you know, what I might be going. So if I'm gonna be graphing a lot of times, five miles an hour, I'm gonna run it at a four or five. Up on the, you know, for example, up on the trolling motor now, I'm gonna really back that off. It's gonna be, you know, a two most of the time, so.
1: Okay. What do you think we
2: should
0: talk about next, Ryan? Uh, Uh. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
2: So, as far as structure goes, like... Is there a way, I, I know you said that it's kind of hard to tell on sonar. I'm, I'm sure it's a lot easier on like down imaging, imaging. but is there like certain characteristics you can kind of look for to kind of help with determining what's rocks, what's brush, what's weeds and all that?
3: There is, and and what you really want to pay attention to, and it's going to be really a combination. With 2D, With 2D, you're going to pay a lot more attention to your map, because structure number one, you're you're gonna want to find uh, you're gonna want to find you know points or ditches or you know steep drops as opposed to you know uh, you know uh, less steep drops <laughs> uh, you know so that you know first off. It's it's going to start with your map, and you're going to want to find that sort of uh, stuff on your map that's going to stick out, and and everybody's going to find it. Now, if you if you don't have a map, you know, or a good map of the area, the good thing about it is is most units now allow you to make maps, so definitely invest in whatever you have to do to make your own map of that area. The other thing is. It, and it, even if you don't have that, pay attention to because I know you you fish a river a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so pay attention to you know sharp drop offs, sharp peaks, you know uh, corners, you know points in there where a creek runs in. You know go over that right, starting right in front of that creek. Learn your color palette. Become very, very intimate with your color palette. Get over a sandy bottom and see what what that looks like so that you know what a sandy or mucky bottom shows up on. Then get over some rocks and see what color that hard bottom shows up as. Then find you some grass. Most of the time grass, you know, it's kind of, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it'll be... Uh, you know when it's first starting to come up it'll be very jagged edges at the top so you know so so spend the time learning that that sort of stuff and then you know learn you know in the rivers learn what your where your shoals are where your uh, like I said where your channels where other creeks intersect uh, where your bluffs are where there might be jagged rocks and, and you'll tell I mean once you learn, what a hard bottom is, if you go over an area where there's, you know, some rip rap or something, you know, or, or, or a rock slide, you'll see those just jagged up and down bottom areas. And then from there, you know, I always tell people a wobble head is a great depth find, or, or feature finder, depth finder, you know, pick you up a half ounce, three quarter ounce wobblehead, you know, throw it out there and uh, and feel, feel it, you know. 2D sonar, I can tell you when, you know, when I, that's all I had, there was a lot of times I would see stuff and go, well, I don't know what that is exactly, but let me see if I can get hung up in it and bring a piece back. <laughs> you know? that's,
2: that's, yeah, that makes sense. And you got me interested in the whole thing with like making your map. I need to look more into that because my fish finder, it's only like a $120 fish finder.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, it, it has GPS and allows you to make waypoints, but there's not an actual map. I think it's like, just like if I remember correctly, it's just like yellow or white background and it's got you on there and you just hit a button that puts a little waypoint on there.
3: Gotcha.
1: I know, I know mine can do it, can do the mapping too, but do, do you usually have to have like a bigger SD card to do that or how does that work or, you know?
3: Well, I don't know how it works with Lawrence because that was kind of after I kinda of moved away from Lawrence and went with Hummingbird, they kinda of brought that in. That was one of the reasons why I went with Hummingbird, uh, when I decided to upgrade from my fives. <laughs> you know, Lawrence yeah, back in the day.
2: Hummingbird, a lot of their models have like lake maps already built in there, don't they?
3: They have some, but uh, most of the time you're you're needing something like like their, their lake maps, like Laurent's finally come out with their own, which is C-Map, which up until uh, they came out with C-Map, like I used uh Navionics forever. Well, when I moved to uh, Humminbird, uh, Humminbird has Lake Master, and I've heard nothing but good things about Lake Master. But again, the problem for me with Lake Master up until this year, and I'm happy about it, is that uh, they didn't have a couple of my home leaks. So, you know, they really didn't do me any good. So I just kept using Navionics, still use Navionics on my front graph. Um,
2: talking about so, Secret Lake, what is it, Secret Lake P, is
3: that, is that what it is? P, I got Secret Lake Lake P, <laughs> and I, you know, shoot, don't even get me started on that, I had a guy comment today, and he kind of ticked me off, but I'll explain that in a little bit, it, it, it's not a big deal, but, uh, but as far as the maps go, now they, they, they have, I think it's like 15 hours of recording built into their units, Hummingbird does, and, uh, the uh, the other guys, or you have to buy what's called a point .1, or not, not a point .1, a zero, a one, something, a zero line, zero line card. And then it's got a ton of uh, ability, you know, a ton of hours to map. Like I've got a couple of those small lakes, uh, top secret Lake P that you're talking about there. Uh, it didn't have any maps, but I got that whole lake map now, so, <laughs> you know. And haven't run out of space yet. So, so you might have to look into that. I know, again, if you're using uh, Navionics, they have a mapping tool with the, that kind of goes with their web app that you can use. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've got that on my phone, but since I've got the fish finder, I'd. I don't tend to look at it as much. I should probably look on there more. And what I really need to do is waypoints that other people done not marked on there. I need to go along and mark those on my fish finder.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a handy tool to have. It's a really handy tool to have. especially Especially
2: if you don't have a fish finder.
3: Yes. Yeah. I I actually, uh, before I was able to afford to get two graphs that I could use my maps on, I actually bought them from Ram Mount. There was a a cell phone mount, and I mounted it to my dash so I could actually use my Navionics on it and (laughs) use my graph. So it worked worked good.
1: We did that in my father-in-law's bass boat. We went down to the inlet down at the beach, and his, his fish finder was ancient. <clears throat> so I just put my phone up on the dash and put the Navionics app on, and we were crisscrossing the channels, picking up Founder, so... There you go. It definitely works.
3: Map study is where it starts. I mean, even if you've got the nicest unit or 10 units, you know, map study is where it starts. It's got to start with map study. You've got to know the contour of the lake or river or whatever you're fishing. And like I said back in the day, you know, when all I had was a little black and white, you know, eagle, I'd get out there on my John boat and I'd just crisscross and, and just commit, almost try to commit to memory where, where features were. And I mean, I'd spend hours a day and that's the big thing. We all want to go fishing, but sometimes, you know, you're, you're paying money for these tools that are going to help you. Sometimes you got to, gotta strap leave that fishing rod strapped down or leave it in its holder and spend your time staring at that that screen all day
1: that definitely takes some discipline yeah
3: it does
2: does. maybe just leave the fishing pole at home that way you don't have the temptation
3: yeah yeah
1: all right um can you think of any common mistakes you see people make with fish finders or misconceptions or things they do wrong when they set them up?
3: Uh, Not really on setup. There, there's some things that like, like Hummingbird, you know, and Lawrence does too, that they don't necessarily always tell you. I hear a lot of guys getting interference in their trolling motor. Uh, well, well, one of the things that Humminbird don't tell you is that, you know, if you're buying a unit to to mount on your trolling motor, they've got a skimmer. That skimmer is not insulated for that magnetic, so you get interference, especially as it's in the water more, it gets older, it gets worse. So they've got a program where you can actually trade that skimmer in and get a trolling motor uh, transducer which is insulated and actually designed to be on your trolling motors. Uh, now I know that doesn't necessarily, you know, relate to kayaks. Of course, you know we were talking about the ultrax Now it's coming. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so so you know that's that's really it. And as far as the the biggest mistake I see people make is what we just said. They they go out and they spend the money on this and they don't spend the seat time learning how to use these units. So, you know if you're not gonna if you're not gonna spend the seat time buy more baits buy more rods (laughs) you know uh but but don't buy them and and you know just have it be a paperweight you know it's gonna make you better if you put the time into it
2: well one thing you got me thinking about is i'm planning on getting a pedal drive kayak and the one that uh, i'm getting um there's a scupper hole specifically for a transducer and it goes down and it's got like a protective plate and I believe it's kind of outside the kayak. So you can do the side imaging, and down imaging and all that, but it's right under the seat, I believe. Mm -hmm. And with that pedal drive being up there, you said you don't want any interference in front of it. So I'm wondering how, how that's going to work with that propeller being, you know, what a foot and a half away from where that transducer is.
3: And I would say probably not much, Uh, you know, because, I mean, we're talking about the difference a lot of times between, you know, between a trolling motor, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're probably getting a couple more RPMs out of that or, or even Mm -hmm. a lot of times the bottom of the boat, you know, uh, because the bottom of a bass boat can, I mean, I know the bottom of my Triton has got so many different levels. It's just stinking ridiculous and trying to find a, the best place to put it on. that in, in boats, that is one of the most asked questions I get. Where's the best place to put it? Now, if those guys have already designed it into the hull, I'd say they have very well tested and vetted. If not, then take it back to them and say, look, you guys need to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you really, you really stunk that one up you know you it, obviously didn't try that out before you sent it out
2: yeah I, I guess it don't matter to me too much right now since i don't have the side imaging and down imaging yeah. but eventually i'm sure i will you know make that investment so yeah. it was interesting
1: you know, on my kayak it's the same thing um i have a hobie and uh my i have uh the triple shot transducer and it's it does go pretty much a foot behind where the pedal or the pedal drive is so um i on my jackson kusa uh the scupper hole spot for the transducer was too small for the triple shot because that's a pretty big transducer so i ended up having an arm that went off the side but i could never get that arm to stay tight enough that it didn't move as i paddled so that i had distortion just from the arm moving yeah uh when i paddled so i'm sure there's yeah, I think having it, I haven't noticed any image issues on, on mine. So.
3: Well, and you got to remember, you know, the blade, you know, what's that? What's that transducer sticking out? Probably three quarters of an inch, maybe an inch, right? So right. the blades of that the blades of that pedal are probably two to three inches, maybe below that. So the turbulence really is coming underneath. You're get, still getting pretty well clean water. You know, okay. across the face of that, so that makes you're, sense. You're really not, uh, you know, it might go through a little bit of turbulence down below it, but you know, that's by the time that comes back, it's already kind of filled in the the gaps. So I, I don't think it'd cause any problems with that. Now you stick it behind a two hundred horsepower, and you might have an issue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we ain't got kayaks that advanced yet.
3: I don't know, and I've seen some videos <laughs> where they've stuck big motors on down in Florida, and I'm just like, that'd be I, fun, but I don't want to die. Hey, <laughs> they're
2: they're they're getting crazy. They like uh, it, it's really interesting where kayaks are going. Yeah. And and we're still young in this sport, so just imagine like ten years from now, you know. Yeah.
3: Like the what what was it? I seen somebody put on a kayak. It was one of the. Uh, like the uh, Sea Do, you know, propulsion. Oh, jet. wow. Oh, my God. I was oh, like, wow. That's insane. <laughs> I, I,
2: you would flip. There's no way you wouldn't
3: flip trying to, <laughs> trying to do that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy.
2: Well, Sean, you got uh, any more questions you you want to ask Hank here? Um,
1: I think we covered it. I mean, the biggest thing for me was always where when I see the fish, how do I turn around and cast to them? But I think if I'm going to pick up some buoys and and try that waypoint thing, and I think that will help a lot because uh, then I'll have a visual representation of it in front of me, and I can. I think that's going to be a big help. So
3: it helps, and and as you get better at doing that and more confidence. You know, built, uh, you'll use those buoys less and less.
2: Right. Well, is there anything we didn't ask that you feel like needs to be touched on?
3: No, man. I think we covered everything pretty well as far as the beginners. I mean, you know, we can go down plenty of rabbit holes when we (laughs)
2: talk about this stuff. I mean, I I bet, especially with you. (laughs)
3: <laughs> you, know, <I> mean, <laughs> you know i mean you you can really get into some you know you know when you start talking about frequencies and angles and i mean it can get you know it can get uh it can get pretty mind-numbing for me and i really like this stuff so <laughs> you know, i try to try to keep well, that stuff away you know well let's
2: call this one fish finders for beginners and the next one would be fish finders for experts
3: <laughs> there we go I don't know. I'm not going to take the moniker.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I will appreciate you coming back on here and hanging out with us. You know, always a pleasure. Um, you want to take a minute, you know, plug yourself your YouTube and sponsors and all that good stuff. Uh,
3: you know, guys, the biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, just, just come over. Even if you're a kayaker, you know, I do a lot of, uh, I do a lot of my settings uh, for graphs. I do a lot of, you know, I do a lot of fishing videos, but I like to keep my fishing videos around decision-making. And let's face it, what is fishing but decision-making? You know, uh, you know I-, I want to show you for right or wrong, the decision-making I, I go through throughout the day And, and, and I share with you whether I'm successful or not. And, you know, for me, you know, sometimes you learn as much from my failures. I don't, I don't like being the YouTube guy that shows you just me going out and catching three pounders and four pounders, because I don't think that does beginners justice. I think that really frustrates beginners when they go out and see YouTubers or professional anglers saying, "Well, you go do this and this and this and this." There's always exceptions to every single rule. I want to show you, you know, uh, the video, the video that I, uh, the last fishing video that I put out was uh, I was I was fishing spawning bass. I lost two four pounders. The video could have been great. I still caught a, I still caught a, but I showed that. And you know what? What was I doing wrong? I was too close. I was fishing. Spinning gear, which i had been fishing big Alabama rigs and just horsing fish before that, and mentally I didn't adjust. I, I tried to horse those two four pound smallmouths off the bed, and let me tell you, they don't they they don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I want to show people the good and the bad. You know, at one point in time, I was you know messing around and set the hook and knocked my own hat off my head. You know, <laughs> uh, but I, I want to show people you know, the truth about fishing, but I also wanna, you know, tell people and show people through those videos, uh, you know, really how to go out there and break those bodies of water down and find those fish and be able to be able to do it quick and fast. And uh, that's what I want Bass Geek to be about. I want Bass Geek to be able to show you that we don't all catch them like Bill Dance. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't want my channel to frustrate, you know, the beginners because, you know, you go look at the, uh, the, uh, MLFs and there's always guys that ain't caught them. You know, the difference is between them and us is, you know, they don't have a camera boat when they're stinking it up or a camera in the boat. My camera's always in the boat. So you're going to see the good, you're going to see the bad. Uh, and, and that's what I want to bring you is the God's honest truth about fishing. And, you know, I've been fishing for probably 36 years. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know a lot, but I know one or two things that I might be able to help you out with. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Bass Geek on YouTube, Bass Geek Fishing on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. I think that's it, Twitter, you know, I, I think that's all I got. I'm not doing the TikTok tock hic- hiccup, whatever. I don't know what it's <laughs> called. <laughs> so uh,
2: you got any sponsors you want to shout out?
3: Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to give a shout out to, um, you know, ledge head lures, bass munitions, uh, TRC covers, uh, connect scale who eventually I plan on doing some online tournaments with, uh, I'm, You know, hopefully I've been saying that for years, (laughs) but, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're going to get some guys doing some online tournaments, uh, you know, um, lose, uh, and, uh, ego fishing products. They make the nets and the coal boards and all that stuff. And I know I'm leaving people out, but I'm going to take a sip of Coke, like a NASCAR driver and go on my merry way. So, (laughs) No. Uh, so if I left anybody out, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, man, like I said, appreciate you coming back on here and going over that. You know, that has a lot of information. So it's, uh, this is going to be a really good episode because, you know, that, that's what we like here. We, we're trying to learn. Absolutely. But uh, as far as online tournaments, um, by the time this comes out, you know, I'll already have fished in the Paddle and Fin Spring Madness Bracket Tournament.
3: I've still uh, seen that posted. That's a pretty interesting little tournament. Cool. Already, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm fishing Sunday, the day before this comes out. So yeah, hopefully I uh, I've won. Good luck. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's not looking good. It's looking like <laughs> thunderstorms in the morning. Uh, so I'm, I might die.
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't don't do that. Yeah. PDF. But, uh, <laughs> Ain't that but, right? but yeah, at, PFD PDF. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoo! It's been a long time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, oh. there are several more for several weeks going on. So make sure you're checking that out every Sunday um, on the Paddle and Fin Facebook page. We'll be live streaming uh, the different rounds, um, the Noob tournament the new monthly tournament it is on tourney x so if you're wanting to kind of get into get that feel for the kayak tournament sign up for that. It's 10 bucks there's cool prizes first uh it's, it's really going to depend on how many people sign up for how many places are uh win prizes but first place is definitely going to be a custom catch board uh with your name and all that also that's going to be awesome so make sure you sign up for that if you're interested um anything
1: left out i think that that's pretty good that covers pretty much everything i'm i'm looking forward to the live stuff too we're talking about you know putting everything out there good and bad you know well it's all going to be shown on our facebook live so nope, no t- tune in and that check out. that out
3: <laughs> nice uh
1: I'm sure I'm going to be casting into a few trees on there uh, at least once or twice. (laughs)
3: Yeah. (laughs) I set the hook on a really good uh, tree pounder the other day.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm pretty good at catching some tree bass myself. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, Every once in a while I like to fish for the squirrels.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You ever had one bite? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I
3: have had them throw things at me before. (laughs) All right.
2: So, uh, all right so
1: <laughs> we'll finish it out uh, our catchphrase um it's bass fishing for noobs for bringing you the techniques the tricks and the tips to help you rip more lips thanks guys and i'll catch us later later guys
5: go check out the website guys paddle the letter n in fin.com. also check out youtube youtube.com forward slash paddle and finn if you got a question comment or want to hear from a future guest feel free to email us at paddle the letter n and finn at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on social media we're doing giveaways announcements things like that at facebook and instagram at paddle and finn shout out to our show supporters Rocktown adventures loveland canoe and kayak hammered lures fish mob lures trc covers catch products